0: Who am I learning from? And you look at even the books on your shelf and everybody is a white author. It will inform how you're learning. When you look at the people who you're inviting into your group programs as experts, if they're all white, again, that's a narrative that you're continuing to reaffirm um, knowingly or unknowingly. The other thing is, if you're going to get people of color to come in and engage with your programs, don't just go for the DEI person.
1: and set your soul on fire to take massive aligned action in your business so you can take your life to the next level. Ready to get started? Let's go. Welcome to the next episode of the Next Level Life podcast. Today, my incredible guest is going to be teaching us how to actually make our businesses more inclusive and how to become an ally in action. My beautiful guest, Annie Gishuru, is the founder of Uplifting Studios and a leading diversity, equity and inclusion coach. And she's dedicated to supporting online business owners to build racially equitable businesses so they can be intentionally inclusive. Annie became a leading diversity, equity and inclusion coach and consultant for online entrepreneurs. Annie is deeply passionate about representation through a racial justice lens and combines her experience as an internationally certified life coach, her love of storytelling and her extensive career as a human resource specialist to deliver her programs for online entrepreneurs in order to support inclusivity. Our conversation today dives into bringing awareness to our white privilege and where the biases have come from, where to start to become more inclusive and diverse in your business, what are some of the glaringly obvious things that we are doing without realizing it is causing harm, what to do when you make a mistake, what some of the words, what are the, some of the no-no words that we should stop using, and how to be more of an ally for people of color. Please join me for this powerful conversation as I introduce you to the beautiful Annie I hope you're ready for this conversation. I feel like it's a conversation that needs to be had and I've invited this beautiful woman to come and join me, to have the conversation with me. Thank you so much for joining me, Annie. I'm
0: so excited to be here, Christine. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my
1: pleasure. When you reached out to be on the podcast, I felt so like aligned with you in a way that felt that you could bring some real grace and genuineness to the conversation. Mm -hmm. And I was willing to really approach you from a place of, please share with me what I need to know in order to be better, right? Like when it comes to diversity and inclusion, it is a very uncomfortable conversation sometimes, yet it doesn't have to be. And I think that what you can bring to it will be really a mind opening space and an awareness for us to take responsibility where we can.
0: Yeah? Absolutely, 100%. Can I just say, I have been listening to your podcast for a while now, probably um, a little bit over a year, and just love it. So when I approach you, it was very much from a place where I see us just chatting like friends, like just having a conversation about this and seeing it just flowing. So it feels really good to be doing this, Christine. Oh, I'm so
1: glad. And I'm thank you so much for listening. It means the world. That's just lovely, lovely to hear. Yeah. And I always do like to have that conversation, that kind of level of conversation with my guests, because I feel like that's what everyone listens for, right? It's not mm-hmm. about a structured... So if anyone's, you know, listening, oh, yeah. I have core areas of where I want to go with a conversation, but I never have like a full structure of how every question after the next, because I'm really wanting to hear it from your point of view. And sometimes we're not really listening if we're thinking about the next question.
0: (laughs) I get you. Absolutely. Yes. So for those who have
1: never met you, don't follow you online, would you mind just sharing with us a little bit of your background and what led you to become a diversity, equity, and inclusion coach? Yes, of
0: course. So I came to Australia uh, a little over 20 years ago uh, as an international student. And the dream was to get into media, was studying mass communication. And I did that and I got offered a uh, work experience opportunity at one of the leading broadcasting, you know, stations. Uh, I got it, I enjoyed it, but I couldn't see anyone who looked like me. You know, I'm a Black migrant woman uh, from Kenya originally, and I just couldn't see anyone who looked like me. And so I second-guessed myself, Christine. I was like, how can I do this kind of public-facing work, being a reporter, being in television? My accent back then was so much stronger, and I just felt like I didn't want to be in that kind of spotlight and I just didn't feel like I belonged. So cut a long story short, um, got into HR. I I went back to uni, studied, got a master's degree in human resource management and did that for quite some time until I became a mom for the first time. So I'm a mom of two kids and it was whilst I was on maternity leave the first time uh, that I felt I really wanted to do something in the media space. And so I created a documentary series all about good news stories and it got picked up for television broadcast in Australia, New Zealand, and eventually in my home country of Kenya. And it was doing those stories that made me feel like there was a gap in telling our migrant stories of color because they are often told under the the light and the, the idea of lack poverty, illness, mm. sickness, you know, just uh, 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 that, that it's just synonymous with, with suffering. And that's not all that it is when it comes to Black people and people of color. So I felt the need to showcase that. So the storytelling changed a little bit and started spotlighting migrant women of color rising. And through that, we then, you know, witnessed the horrific public execution of George Floyd, and because I was right in it being a coach, so um, cut a lot out of my story. Um, I did train to become a life coach with the beautiful new coaching academy. You mentioned you've had Julie Parker here on the, on the program. So um, trained with them. And then I was supporting migrant women of color as a, you know, a career um, and, and, and development coach. And from then, I just felt like there was a gap in our industry. There there wasn't anybody that I knew who was a coach who was talking about inclusion, representation, something that is really essential, especially given how multicultural Australia is, We are not seeing that translating in how business transactions are happening and how for us in the coaching and personal development industry, we are not seeing that representation, you know, Black, Brown, Indigenous, and people of color represented, be they coaches themselves or clients. And I saw that gap and and given my background in human resources and having supported, you know, different organizations, be it in uh, um, in the private sector or the public sector with diversity and inclusion projects I just saw a real gap and I felt that I I could feel that and so that's how I ended up becoming a diversity equity and inclusion coach and consultant and it has been received so positively because there hasn't been that thing there hasn't been that education mm-hmm. and it is something that a lot of people, are so hungry to learn but on the converse side christine is that there's a lot of fear of getting it wrong
1: hundred percent you're so right and i think that it just even becomes this fear of being a, even in the uncomfortable position of having the conversation yes. right to even address like we were saying before i hit record like even just address our own privilege and recognize Mm. how we've benefited from our own privilege to recognize how other people have not benefited from that. Right. Like, I think it's really can be an uncomfortable conversation. And I think there's also opportunity for us to grow through this experience and become more inclusive because I mean, you're right. Like Australia is supposed to be this multicultural country, yet there is still so much, so much division and so much racism. And yet, if we're being front and center, like I think like if we're speaking directly to business owners, if we are being front and center and we're being uh, open with the way that we're presenting ourselves online on websites, like all of that, we have to recognize that and bring that into it, right? Like there's so much
0: that comes Absolutely. into it. Absolutely. When I work with a lot of coaches and, you know, creatives and consultants. The, the key thing here is, Annie, I keep attracting people who just look like me. I keep attracting a lot of white clients. And how do I make my business more diverse? What am I doing wrong? And the thing is, it's not that you're particularly doing anything wrong. It's just that you're not even aware of the implicit bias that you hold. Mm. You've always partaken of a certain narrative. And so how you present, how you speak, the kind of language that you you you, you use is calling in a, t- a certain kind of, you know, client. And when you think about when we learn about attracting clients and our, you know, like the, the, what do they call it, ideal client avatar, you know, what do they look like, how do they sound, where do they shop, what do they eat, you know, how old are they, we are really thinking of somebody who looks like us. Yeah. We're really thinking of maybe a younger version of ourselves that now we are ahead of the game a little bit. We can support them as a coach. Uh, and so you end up in, in an unknowing way, unconsciously excluding people of color from the equation and it's when you begin to look at things not so much from demographics or those things that we've been told are important but starting to look at them from a values-based perspective you know more to do with psychographics you know what are the things that matter to this person that connect me to this this person that I can be of service to and of value to then the game changes but it does take time to begin to look at things from that perspective and to incorporate inclusive language, language that allows people who have been excluded historically and for a long time to begin to feel comfortable when they're having a conversation with you. They're like, hey, I think this person is very aware that there's an imbalance, you know, because the issue normally is the lack of knowing. Like, I didn't even know this was an issue. But when you speak to somebody who is quite aware the language is different, how they approach you, how they speak to you is different. Mm -hmm. And so um, that is something that uh, I teach. and, and, And with time, you begin to see people's language and ways and behavior begins to change. Yeah,
1: you're so right. And I think it also has to do with like, yes, that we look or we market to clients that look like us or who are similar to us years ago. We also look for mentors and who we learn from that look like us, right?
0: Like mm-hmm.
1: one of the things like when with George Floyd and, and everything that happened with Black Lives Matter when it first began, like I even was like, I literally went back and looked through all of my guests from my podcast. I went and actually looked at my following on my social media and I was like, like, I, I i get it like i'm seriously like not so what's the word like programming or conditioning myself yeah. for more white privilege right because i'm learning just from white people and it's like that's not mm-hmm. serving inclusivity it's not it's serving even me in any way shape or form because if i keep taking on head the mindsets or belief systems from people just like me that's not going to change anything right
0: so Absolutely, that. you know, it's it's even when you look at it from other forms of diversity, for example, gender. If you're only learning from women, or potentially only learning from men, say in the corporate arena. You, there's a certain narrative that you're missing out on. Um, if you're learning from people who are just, you know, heterosexual, and you're not learning from people who hold other non-binary um, identities, you will always look at things from one lens, mm-hmm. and it doesn't. and, and in so doing you're not including people who you could potentially be serving people who are ready to be served by you, but you don't even know how to do that because you've been looking at it from a very uh, different lens. Mm. I remember listening to a
1: podcast and I can't remember the um, the person's name, to be honest, I, but it was honestly like mind blowing the whole podcast. I'll have to put the link in the show notes. I'll find it because it was with the man enough podcast um, by Justin Baldani and it was this incredible conversation around someone who saw themselves as non-binary and the way that they described their sexuality or the way that they described their vision for themselves was so phenomenal that it literally came back to let's be human connecting to another human. And we're all love. Like it was just phenomenal. I need to share it with everyone. So I'll put that in the, in the show notes, but, um, It was so you're so right in the way that when you start to re-educate yourself and you take on other views and you see so much more out there in the world and you understand from different people's points of view, because I think that the basis of coaching, right, is understanding that we all have our own map of the world, right? We all have different life experiences and belief systems and culture and religion and everything that goes into making us who we are. And we have that creates then a a filter that we are walking around this world with. And so that shapes then what we see and what we bring into our existence. And I think that when you start to open up that worldview and you start to allow yourself to see other perspectives that's true living like that's true culture that like, that's i feel like that's i've always been fascinated with human beings right from the beginning of my employment journey right always just been fascinated with different cultures and i remember working i worked on cruise ships when i was like 21 for many years and just loved all the different cultures that i got to know and i have friends all over the world and i feel like that's always spurred on my curiosity with it and so right. my point to my story <laughs> is that <laughs> After listening to this podcast that just opened up my eyes because I was curious, because I was like, I I want to understand because I recognised that I was being triggered by everyone starting to change their
0: pronouns.
1: Pronouns, That's right. lost my words there. Started to change their pronouns. And I was like, well, I'm not really sure if I want to put my pronouns up on my and I was like, but why? Like, why? Why don't I? Why am I being Mm -hmm. triggered by this? Mm -hmm. And so I listened to this podcast and I kind of remember how I came across it. But it blew my mind so much that then I was talking to other friends and family friends and I started to notice this real bias against it. Like it was really interesting that, and I was like, you need to listen to this podcast, like you need to understand it, like you, you're you're judging this from your perspective, mm-hmm. thinking that yours is the only perspective.
0: Absolutely. And this is where, you know, shifting from looking at it um, from a best practice perspective, because we've been very much indoctrinated to think what's best practice, you know, particularly coming from a corporate background, what's best practice? This is how we do things. This is the best way. This is the professional way. Professional or best practice according to who? Like who set the rules, especially when you think of, you know, bringing it back to race. When you think of what is deemed professional in the workplace, you know, having straight hair, And if you come in braids, as we normally do, you know, people, women who are Black or even men or non-binary, if you have your hair in a different state than being straight or short and straight, and it's Afro, that is not deemed professional. In fact, if anything, it's deemed as being unkempt and uh, somebody who is not taking care of themselves. But... It really goes back to the system of who created the rules and who are the rules created for? Like, who did they have in mind to to serve, to be of service to? Because if it was people who came from diverse backgrounds and that was acceptable, then we're looking at that from a human lens. It's not about best practice. It's about human practice. And that's what I teach a lot about. How can we begin to shift things from what we have been historically told? This is the way, this is the way, but according to whose way, who made those rules? If we just humanize the experience for everybody, then we're doing a better job of trying to include all of us in rather than saying a certain select, this is the right way. And that's when we lead it. Into you know the the superiority and the glorifying of one particular culture that we look up to and say that's what we aspire to but in in in, we we are excluding by doing that
1: yeah and who says they're better like (laughs) Yeah. yeah interesting so for those who might be listening that this is probably might be the first thought of, okay, so if as a business owner, what can I do to become more of an ally? What can I do to become more inclusive? What would you say would be the first focus?
0: You know, the first focus, Christine, is to educate yourself, begin to find material that you can just chew on begin to to study and maybe something that piques your interest you know if it's something to do with like what we've discussed about you know human lens and looking at things from a perspective of maybe professionalism and why certain things have been told to be this is the correct way and this is not maybe whatever piques your curiosity start from there and the thing is there are so many resources available in fact it's overwhelming but one of the ways that I love to consume content is podcasts you know one of yours being one of the ones in my library and uh and just you know putting on my airpods if it's um, my morning walk which I haven't done because it's winter but as I am multitasking and doing different activities that's one way For me to consume information, and that's how I squeeze in my, you know, DEI work as well. Hearing and learning from different people from all around the world, and it's a good way for you to begin to consume this in a way that is not overwhelming, but it is consistent. You know, something a new episode drops, you're listening to that, and what happens is that with time you begin to become curious you question things so it all starts by educating yourself and so that's just one example and there are many other things in terms of you know socially thinking okay it's wednesday night or it's friday night we want to watch a movie being intentional maybe today we'll watch a movie that has a lot more diversity than just white folks maybe we'll watch something that's just you know maybe we'll watch bridgerton (laughs) and just, you know, um, appreciate seeing people from different cultures and backgrounds. And it might begin with as little as that, but with time, what that is doing is it's beginning to normalize seeing different cultures and people from different backgrounds so that you're opening up your lens. That's where I'd say beginning from.
1: So speaking of Bridgerton, because (laughs) I found it super fascinating when I watched it as well, watched it many times. love it. I loved, and I remember having a conversation with one of my friends about this, I love how they've almost, Shonda is so amazing, how she's literally rewritten history in a way. Like, I just love it. It's just gone beyond, like, let's try to fix it. No, let's just rewrite it. Like, yeah. right? like I just love how that she's created this space where you can in movies, right, and you can in TV to create this environment of like, well, hang on a minute, what if the Queen of England was black right like how amazing would that be and how it changed the social constructs to a certain extent but i'd love to know your opinion on it like i
0: am a huge away from it i'm a huge fan of shonda rhimes i have loved her since the days of gray's anatomy and following her on to you know olivia pope and um, i mean she has a scandal she's done a lot for television in opening us up and really bringing in that black narrative and people of color. Um, And so Bridgerton, I think was such a needed show and how it's been depicted and obviously going into the British empire and the the royalness of it all, I think is, is such a beautiful depiction, but also there's truth to it. So what is being shared there? There's a lot of truth because there was a queen of color (laughs) <laughs> there was so this is not something that she's kind of just made up and just kind of added people of color in there there was that history does exist and whilst a lot of it has been evolved and, and, and sort of made to match up current times and so on there is a history historical truth to what they are sharing there is okay. and, and here's the thing this this is history that we don't know about. These are things that were not taught to us because blackness was not a thing. You know, it wasn't ever shared or elevated in that way. Particularly when we look at the the British monarchy and so on. Um, so I think Shonda is needed and appreciated. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the generation that we have now, you know, the millennials and um, the Generation Alpha, they are so open to matters of inclusion, diversity. It's not like, you know, the baby boomers who are just like, we had no clue. You know, when I get people into my programs and people who are a little bit older, they're like, I did not, I grew up in a place where I didn't know I even had this this way of thinking, this perceptions, this stereotypes. I I honestly did not know I held these prejudices, but it goes back to upbringing, what I was exposed to and the things that were taught to me. So this Mm -hmm. is needed. And the, the generations that are coming on now are catching on much, much faster and they're not standing for injustice at all 100
1: percent. i totally agree like i grew up in a really small country town in victoria and everyone in my primary school that i can remember was white maybe a couple part aboriginal yeah but yeah like i'm just trying to think now but but it's interesting because my uh niece and nephew go to a school in melbourne city and so multicultural like it's amazing that he's like almost the like <laughs> he stands out rather than the opposite, right? Like it's so amazing. And you're right, like their attitude to it is that we are all the same and we just have different mums and dads that that think about different things like and have eat different foods. Like it's actually mm-hmm. not such a big deal or there's no
0: emphasis on it, I guess that someone yeah, it's, it's the treating of 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 people equally. Yeah. You know, you're not treating somebody better because of the color of their skin. You're like this is my friend they do happen to be black but there's no you know i'm not better than them or they're not better than me we're just we're human beings yeah we're just friends
1: yeah <laughs> yeah it's nice um i have to point out too i recently watched a netflix series with chelsea handler and she does a whole like series on uh addressing her white privilege and she did a round table with the girls from scandal um which oh, did yeah, she? you should totally watch it it's really good um complete side note so i would love <laughs> to, i'd love to know i'd love for you to share with us two areas so for you to share with us what mistakes do you see business owners make when it comes to creating an inclusive environment with their with their business i'd love you to point out what, some that are like glaringly obvious and others that are a little bit more sneaky that maybe we don't aren't necessarily even privy to that maybe we don't even realize that we're doing
0: Mm, Okay, so the glaringly obvious one is when one is being performative, you know, at the height of the protests in America and globally, really, in 2020, there was a lot of uproar, you know, social media, people posting the black squares and, you know, standing in solidarity. But that's as much as most people did. A vast majority um, just kind of moved on and uh, have been silent about it. So that's being performative when you just kind of pop on your feed when there's headline news, but you're not really doing any work on the surface. And maybe you're even the one recommending books, read this, read that, but you know you haven't touched anything. And that's what is called, you know, virtual signaling. You're putting out signals there so that people can see how, you know, um, affected you are or that you're doing this work, but you're not. It's really performative because there's nothing underneath the surface. There's really no work that's been done. And so that's something that I've seen. And an example of that is through through, you know, putting a scholarship really quickly onto your program so that you're making it accessible. But without knowing that I could put a scholarship program, but it could cause harm because I do not know how to hold space for the kind of people that I'm calling in to take on that scholarship. If you come into, if I come into your space and you're completely Um, void, you do not know the challenges, the setbacks, the barriers that I I experience and that are going through. We can talk about mindset all day long, but if you're not understanding the system that is in place that has put barriers to ensure certain people do not move ahead, We're not going to make any progress, but when you have done your reading, your understanding, you're plugged into different resources or even, you know, have a DEI educator to support you, you are in such a better position to offer that support to, you know, people of color because you are doing the work. So that's where I have seen a glaring mistake where people are saying, making my, my services accessible pricing, but you're not able to hold that space. So somebody leaves your their, their experience of being in your group feeling worse. Than potentially when they started and you feeling terrible because you're like this person didn't even put in any effort, like they, they hardly showed up. There was no engagement. I don't even know if this, you know, scholarship program should exist or if it's even working. I, I, I'm not, I'm not feeling it, but you, you, it was premature. You hadn't done the work, you put it in and you called in people who you couldn't hold space for um so that's what's glaringly obvious do you want me to pause there before I go into more of the subtle no no
1: I'm good yeah go for it
0: okay um (laughs) so um some of the the subtle ways is when people think oh but I have people of color in my programs, you know, Um, and and so that's fine, I I don't really need to do this work because I'm attracting, I've got a handful here, a couple here, so that says that everything is cool, and also saying, oh, I studied this in uni, you know, I studied a bit of inclusion work or diversity, or we did some programs in corporate, so you feel like you know or yeah, I got an, an indigenous educator to come in, You know, um, an Aboriginal person came in and did uh, a welcome to country. And so I'm being inclusive. Goodness me, that is nowhere close to um, doing the work that is required to hold spaces that allow people uh, of color to feel safer in that space. And so those are the subtle ones where somebody kind of thinks they know, kind of thinks they're ahead because they have those things around them that that, that, that indicate inclusivity but in actual fact it is not the case mm,
1: okay so they're really really important points to to bring to light and so so yes you talked about like that first focus being the educational piece and then what would you like to start to see that's different what would you like to start to see people be doing
0: What I'd love to see, and it's beginning slowly, you know, people like, you know, Julie Parker, who are really spearheading this industry and and really disrupting and doing things differently to be inclusive, is I would love to see, particularly when it comes to group programs, where we are seeing more diverse educators coming into the mix. When I look at a lot of programs and I see, oh, we're getting guest experts, and you look at the lineup, coming back to what you say, Christine, who am I learning from? And you look at even the books on your shelf and everybody is a white author. It will inform how you're learning. When you look at the people who you're inviting into your group programs as experts, if they're all white, again, that's a narrative that you're continuing to reaffirm um, knowingly or unknowingly. The other thing is, if you're going to get people of color to come in and engage with your programs, Don't just go for the DEI person. And that's the thing. That's the thing. I always get invited to podcasts or um, into programs. I'm like, don't forget we don't just do DEI work, not not every single black person is a DEI educator. In fact, far from it, a lot of people do not want to talk about this work because of how uncomfortable and and really personal it is. Uh, And so there are people who are experts in sales and marketing and accountants and money and social media, we are in all spaces. It's bringing those people that you connect with. Of course, you you know, you want to bring people again who are heart aligned, you know, you're you're really like-hearted and you're like, yep, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll be a good fit for the company and, and so on. But really looking at that, analyzing when you're thinking of the programs that you're putting together, who can I bring to just add that lens as well and also here really advocating for you know educating your um, your clients that when they come into your program that they are touching a little bit on diversity equity and inclusion that you're being that catalyst you know that person who your program is so different we're touching on things that are life matters and maybe not just business but also things that we, that affect mm. us and that you're being that person who's opening that door even though you're still doing the work but you're creating that space for that knowledge to happen. So um, that's something that's powerful that can begin to disrupt our industry that is still very white and has a, is lacking representation. Mm, mm, absolutely.
1: Yeah, really powerful. I th- I would love to know, like, is there any other like no-nos that you can point out as well? Like I think because um, I know that you've talked a little bit about, um, I've seen with your socials and things like that, like no-nos with language or with um with imagery and things like that like i remember like last year when there was a lot of attention on this it's like the coaching industry so many people were using the word tribe and then that became like even i i was i had a a organization that i an events program that i ran that i was like oh my god, i should not be using that word like
0: yeah yeah, so I had
1: to go and change it like what is there any other words like that that you think it's
0: important that we There are, there are a number of words that even I am still learning, to be quite honest, Christine, there are words I come across and I'm like, oh, I didn't know that was the history and it came from this culture and this is what it means and that it's very wrong to use it and I myself have used it, you know, language is so Fluid. It is ever changing and we can never be at a point where we know it all. It is just, it's a work in progress. And so what I did is create an inclusive language guide that just kind of breaks it down, particularly for those who are in the coaching industry. To go like and tribe is one of the words on the list where I've said this is why this word is um, inappropriate, and here are other words that you could use instead. Um, and just giving the history of tribe, you see, I come from a tribe. I'm from the Kikuyu tribe um, in Kenya. It's one of the largest tribes there, and it's part of the Bantu clan. And, um, you know, being part of a tribe is something that really ha- its ethnic. It is part of who we are as, as, as Kenyans. We have, like, what, almost 50 tribes now. Um, and it makes up our identity and how we, our customs and how we do things. And so Taking that word and using it in a very different. Um, way than what it was intended um, a lot of the times without understanding the history of it and in fact um, quickly switching gears to another word here was um, I, I had a question that came in in my private Facebook group today where Susan was asking me any you know digital blackface I'm just having a little bit of trouble understanding when it comes to using imagery and what might be deemed you know um, being digital blackface and and potentially um, really causing harm. And for me, just diving a little bit deeper into that, which I do get into the guide itself, the inclusive language guide and providing context, because before you even begin not using a word or feeling afraid of using the word and the impact that might have, it's so important to understand the historical context, you know, and first starting with what is blackface? Where did blackface originate from? What was the intention of it? And once you begin to understand the history behind that, when we get to present day where things have been digitalized, you have so much more of a deeper understanding when you see certain things, particularly in this digital era and social media, TikTok, the using of different voices and and so on and so forth. You're a little bit more aware and you know what to kind of stay away from. And this kind of feels like, yeah, this would be all right to use. But it's a constant Mm -hmm. evolution. It's a constant growing. What was acceptable a year ago, probably not now as we grow and and learn and do better. Yeah,
1: because I saw recently Lizzo, got caught up with a word that she used in a song and she had to change the song lyric. Did you see that?
0: Yes, yes. That was um, a slur that's quite um, ableist. And so she quickly changed that into something that was more, um, you know, universal. And so, yeah, it's something even when you are an advocate for the things that you're saying shouldn't be happening, you can end up falling into that trap because things are ever evolving. And what seemed to be cool or the words that we used that were okay, are not okay anymore. Because I
1: think it's also that we're so global now, right? Like, it's not like you can just stay in your own little town and do your own thing because it's very visible. Like for Lizzo, it was okay for her to use that word in America because it meant a certain thing, but in England and even Australia, we don't use that word in a nice way either. We don't use that. <laughs> um, no. So yeah, it was really interesting to see that happen. And she, and so she changed it very quickly, but I would love, like, even if you want to use that example, but like, what do you do if you do make a mistake? What is the best thing to
0: do? You know, yes, yes. If you do make a mistake, and again, in that inclusive language guide, which I think we should I will, share I'll with, put it in the show guide, notes. For um, I have written a, a little paragraph there, what to do if you do make a mistake, because we are all open to making mistakes. Nobody is perfect. I think when you realize that you've made a mistake, it's acknowledging it and saying, oops, I messed up. I made a mistake. Um, I am correcting that and I am... I am here to do better, not a perfect human being. I think it's acknowledging it. And also um, being open to be called in, not so much calling out because I think calling out has the potential to really bring harm to people depending on the context of it. But I think when you're called in, Um, Rather than going into defense mode, well, we'll hang on this word we use it in America so I don't know what you all are talking about over there in in Europe and Australia and Asia Pacific this is cool here. I think it's rather than being defensive is listening, um, sincerely apologizing and doing better, you know, and and I think when you do that when you do apologize it's really hard to kick somebody when they're Mm really down. So being quick to to listen and and, and apologize is is, is one way. Knowing that this is a journey, we are all on it. There's no one who's far ahead, like I know it all and so on. I might be a coach in this space, but I'm constantly learning as well.
1: Thank you for sharing that guide. I think that's going to be really powerful for people, so I'll make sure that's in the show notes for sure. And so you help Mm -hmm. business owners to really do this on a bigger scale, right? So you have a program called Represented, and this goes into it a little bit more in depth. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that?
0: Sure, sure. Represented was really – it it, it stemmed from – business owners who are feeling afraid. They don't know where to start with this work. They're feeling a little bit overwhelmed because there's so many options and they're not sure where to begin. They know they want to build a business that's racially equitable so they can be intentionally inclusive, but they're not knowing where to begin. And so Represented walks you step by step. It's a Mm -hmm. a 10-week program and it's what I would like to call as part of my framework, the awareness piece, because you cannot fix something unless you're aware of where the areas that you can't see, unless you're aware of your um, biases, your the things that the prejudices that you hold. And so it walks you through step by step. And the beauty about represented is Permission to come as you are. Permission to come messy. Permission to come. Like, I I don't even know. I haven't I haven't done any reading to be honest. I'm just coming here fresh, but I'm ready to learn and do it. And just holding a, a space with grace. Holding a, a space where people permission to make mistakes but when you make a mistake you learn and you do better not a place where you should have known better Christine really with a business that you have come on not that kind of space a space where like okay what can we learn from this how do we get up from here because we need everyone in this work. This is not work that is just predominantly for, you know, BIPOC to do. This is work that is needed for everyone to play a role. And I think it's so important that we make it in a way that it is work that we can lock arms together rather than saying it's them versus us. If we can lock arms together and do this work together with grace, with love, with kindness, I think we can make a lot of progress, Christine. And
1: so much, so much progress, so much difference. Like, I think that that's where we need to be focused, our attention. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good, Annie. Thank you so much for sharing this with me today and for allowing us to dive deep into this topic i know it can be and a challenging conversation but i think we handled it really beautifully and i think that you bring such grace to it and i knew you would um and just able to hold space because like i think that's one of the big things that's come out of here is like recognizing that you can't just be on show it's got to be that space of holding and understanding and, and educating yourself to know that so i really appreciate you and thank you so much for coming on and sharing this with us
0: Thank you for having me, Christine.
1: Amazing, Annie. Would you mind sharing with us how we can learn more from you, where to find you, where you hang out?
0: Yes, I mainly hang out on Instagram. Come check me out. My handle is Uplifting Studios TV. And you can also check out my website, upliftingstudios.com.au, and you will find everything you need to find out about me and what I do
1: amazing i'll make sure i put all those links in the show notes so people can find them really easily please head to instagram and share with annie what you took away from this episode it means so much to hear from you to know that you're listening to this and you're and you're taking powerful things away from it so i really appreciate it thank you for listening and i hope you enjoyed today's episode of the next level life podcast i'd love to hear any takeaways that you've had from today's episode so please share with me on instagram and facebook And if you feel so moved, please pass this episode on to any friends or family that you feel may benefit from it. Looking forward to speaking with you next week, and here's to taking your life to the next level.